Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, listeners, to ironradio.org. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and sports nutrition professor of about 15 years, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm a powerlifter, Highland Games athlete. I run Strength Guild, um, the Barbell Open, which starts next week. So if you haven't gone there and signed up, do it now, barbellopen.com. And uh, geez, just a bunch of other things. Right on. So how's that coming? I mean, um it's going good. I mean, I think it's like anything. It's not going to be, you know, gigantic in year one. You know, I think it's one of the things. You get it in, you get it done, you go to the next year, and you know, it'll be good. I actually think so, that's that's best. I mean, yeah. um, we had obesity conference last year, and I want to do this like an annual thing, not always about obesity, different topics. But the point is having a dry run year, you hammer down a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So, so then as things grow – you know that certain things are in place. Like with you, it might be, I don't know, some unforeseen glitch about reviewing the videos or I don't yeah, know. Yeah, anything. Yeah, anything, anything. Yeah, just get stuff in place. Yep, we just got to, exactly. And that's, that was the deal, you know, it was like, let's just do it and see what happens. So it'll be good. It'll be good. We've got some good lifters signed up. So cool. Um, it'll be fun to see how it goes. Okay, um, let's see. I've got two little bits of news and then everyone today, Phil and I, it's just going to be us. We're going to talk about two-a-days, lifts, that is. We're going to talk about some of the demands on the body. Um, There's some gender differences, potentially. Uh, We'll talk about the requirements, maybe. Like nutrient timing, I think, starts to take center stage a bit more when you know you got to go at it again the same day. And not everybody can do this, but I'm actually going to play with this myself this fall, uh, I think, at like roughly like 6 a.m. before work and then maybe around 5, 6 p.m. after work. Uh, so we'll talk about two a days. But first, uh, a little bit of news here. Strength and muscle sport news. This first bit of news is from technologynetworks.com. It's just one of the things I got on one of those, you know, the news feeds that come to my uh, mailbox here. But uh, this is mostly British based. And I know we have quite a few uh, listeners from the UK. Uh, this is called Raw Eggs Deemed Safe to Eat. And the first thing that jumped into my mind with this is, of course, you're constantly hearing back and forth on the from food service professionals and that sort of thing. You know, uh, protein foods always seem to be what's in the limelight for contamination. But the truth is, I've actually known dietitians that specialize in food service and whatnot, and they would talk about how actually fruits and vegetables are more commonly the source of foodborne illness, believe it or not. So anyway, raw eggs deemed safe to eat. Uh, this is this was just published here. A report published by the Advisory Committee on the Microbiological Safety of Food, the ACMSF, uh, into egg safety has shown a major reduction in the risk from salmonella in UK eggs. So it says, responding to the report uh, that 
the Food Standards Agency, the FSA, uh, has launched an eight-week consultation reviewing the advice given to consumers on eating lightly cooked or raw eggs. So um, let's see. Professor John Koya, chair of the ACMSF Expert Ad Hoc Group on Eggs, said the committee has found that there has been a major reduction in the risk from salmonella in UK hens' eggs since 2001. It's recommended that these eggs could be served raw or lightly cooked to both those in good health and even those in more vulnerable groups. At present, the FSA's advice to consumers is that eating raw eggs, uh, eggs with runny yolks, or any food that has uncooked or slightly cooked or lightly cooked eggs may cause food poisoning in vulnerable groups. But again, this new advice is sort of countering that, and, and they're taking comments right now, so... Uh, I used to actually put a raw egg in protein shakes and that sort of thing. Uh, The closest I think I get with this is I almost universally make whole eggs like over easy, you know, so the the yolk is still sort of runny, dip toast in it and stuff like that. Mm. Um, I don't know, Phil, do you ever eat anything partly cooked like egg type stuff? Yeah, definitely eggs. I mean, like, well, I guess... What do you sunny side up or whatever you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I've never had an issue. I've, I've eaten raw eggs. I've eaten, but <laughs> you're talking to the guy that drank the water in Thailand for like three months straight and didn't didn't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I never had an issue, but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, with the eggs, I I've always heard that the issue is less the egg itself and more on the the shell um, is where you're going to get stuff from. Yeah. So it's making sure you wash your hands and things like that. Um, yeah, I'm trying to spare everybody some of the gory details. Apparently, there's some standards. Yeah. This reduced risk is especially true for eggs produced under the Lion Code or equivalent schemes. I don't even know what that means. Maybe that's more common knowledge in, in Britain. but um, And I'm curious if this is a, a paralleled here in the States. You know, but you've yeah. got to think there's a lot of standards coming down for eggs, coffee. There's a lot of these regulations. And I know people have different thoughts on how much the government should interfere, you know, and regulate these sorts of things. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like you, and I bet there's a lot of lifters who just, you know, eggs are one of the things I think over the years I've seen lifters of all types consistently defend. No, You know, yeah. you hear people come out and say, oh, well, it's got saturated fat. or You know, there's even some crap out years ago that – X number of eggs was equivalent to smoking cigarettes and things like that. And I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah. You know, and the other thing was always salmonella. You know, I always heard about like E. coli from beef and salmonella were the, that was the bug in, the, in eggs. And as it turns out, like I said, it would shock a lot of people. And I don't have a reference for this. Someone can correct me. But that actually there's a lot of produce, uh, fruits and vegetables that are also definite sources of foodborne illness. Uh, and like you said, whether it's shells or you know how it's handled, there's so many things that that are, are part of this. But yeah, apparently there's been a big reduction over the last 15 years in, in salmonella in raw eggs. Uh, and again, that's in Britain. I'm not speaking for all parts of the world. I know we got listeners from all over, but um, mm-hmm. I'm betting there's something similar in the U.S. But anyway, yeah, raw eggs in the news. This next one, um, Phil, I know you're a dog lover. You've got your they're mastiffs, right? Your yep. rescues. Uh, we're big time dog lovers here, and this caught my eye too because you're always hearing about ways to reduce cortisol for lifters. You know, like uh, different supplements. There's different drugs like aminoglutathamide. Um, 
not consuming too, too much coffee, uh, especially on like recovery days and things like that. But dogs may be a source of reduced stress. I'm sure that I have read before, maybe on air, that sleeping with your pooch, you get deeper sleep. So instead of something like zinc magnesium supplements, which probably help a little, um, sleep with your pooch. Now, some people are grossed out by that. I totally am not. Um, but anyway, so this is about stress in particular. Now, they looked at families that had uh, learning disabled kids in them, specifically autistic. And I have a nephew with autism, and I can tell you that creates a huge stressor on the caregivers and that sort of thing. Because, you know, um, you love the family member, but boy, they can be a lot of work and create stress. I mean, so that's sort of the focus of this. It's called uh, Could Dogs Be the Solution to Stress by Brenda Kelly Kim. This is through labroots.com. Let's see. This is spanking new stuff. Uh, there are many reasons to own a dog, not the least of which is the compatibility and the companionship that they offer. Uh, and you know what? In fact, let me offer a sidebar here. There is a great, I think it's in episode two of the new Cosmos with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, being a nerd like that, I, I bought the, that series. And he talks about how it's, it's no coincidence why humans and dogs are best friends. You know, we've artificially selected them. And even in the early phases of human-dog interactions, the cutest ones and the ones that sort of didn't bite the hand that fed, you know, those are the ones that got naturally chosen to eat more and then pass on their, their genes to their offspring, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it's really no coincidence that after thousands of years, humans and, and dogs are so compatible. But it says um, they're good company, and owning one has been shown in numerous studies to alleviate stress, improve mood, and sometimes even lower blood pressure. Uh, apparently there was a study conducted at the University of Lincoln in England. So I guess this is sort of the UK show here mm. from the news. Uh, it was funded by a U.S. foundation, the Human-Animal Bond Research Initiative, the H-A-B-R-I. They have to make all these things into uh, acronyms. Yeah. But it says, um, while the study involved humans, it was published in the American Journal of Veterinary Behavior. Uh, it's only one of a number of research studies that the HABRI is funding, all of which deal with the effect of having an animal on various aspects of human health. Uh, it says there's been studies in the past on therapy dogs, of course, but that's not what this is. This is just having sort of a pooch, um, what I would call family member, right? Our vet, when we first got our chocolate lab, he said, is Precious going to be a family member or just sort of a, a dog that's around the house and, or, you know, outdoor dog or whatever. And we said, no, I would say family member in that regard, you know. But uh, so, yeah, this is not service dogs or anything special like that. Let's see. It says the results show owning a pet dog rather than a specifically trained assistance dog can considerably improve the function of the whole family unit. We found a significant relationship between parenting stress, again, of the autistic child, of the caregiver, and the attachment to a family pet. This latest research, uh, let's see, followed up families two and a half years later to see if the benefits, the anti-stress benefits were still there, and the answer was a resounding yes. So it says Stephen Feldman, executive director of the HABRI, stated that parents of children with autism can experience increased anxiety and stress, and now we have strong scientific evidence to show that pets have a positive effect on quality of life under these stressed issues, stressed situations. So 
I don't know. Good stuff. Like I said, I, I know we're both dog people, and I don't know how many listeners have dogs, but we, we talk so much about, honestly, popping pills and powders to reduce cortisol, and I think maybe we forget that there's something so obvious right there that can help. Yeah, dogs are great. I mean, we have, oh, what do we have? We have four of them right now, four huge dogs. Oh, you have four. <laughs> yeah. So, I thought you had two. Oh. No, we have four. So. <laughs> And then the lightest one's like 150. So we have four massive dogs. And, yeah, they're a pain in the butt, but they're great at the same time, you know. And uh, yeah. they're good with the kids and, you know, just, just extra companions. But, yeah, two of them sleep in our room. And then the other two have their own other place to sleep. But, yeah. yeah. Precious is, is old now. She's uh, she's over 14. That's old Oof. for Lab. You yeah, know, and people, are always, people are always saying, oh, she's so pretty. You know, what a beautiful dog. She still looks really good. And sometimes I think it's almost a reflection of, like, we're not scraping whole Big Macs into her dish. You know what I mean? The kind of food that she probably eats. I mean, we don't restrict things. I was just sharing a Pop-Tart with her this morning, you know. Yeah. But it's more like she gets a lot of healthy stuff. Kelly actually gives her a little nutrient gruel in the morning. With She gives her some salmon. And then later she, we actually give her some glucosamine. There's, like, little beef flavored glucosamine mm-hmm. tablets because you know labs get that um, dysplasia in their hips yeah uh, and that kind of stuff but yeah she's she's still looking good but we're actually sleeping down on the couch with her a lot because she's not going up and down the stairs quite as much as before and i don't want her to feel stranded sort of mm-hmm. you know which one of your pooches was uh i think he was he might have been abused or he was very tentative you had to lay down it w- to meet when you met him oh bradley bradley, bradley <laughs> he's He's probably the easiest one to get along with, but he, yeah, he's scared of anybody at first who's standing up because he was highly abused. So yeah, if you sit down or lay down, he'll come up to you, and then he's okay. And he's so, so. massive; he's kind of intimidating. You know, some people yeah. are in- intimidated by dogs, and then, but yeah, you just got you realize that he's so sensitive and sweet yeah. that you got. He got chased away by a, a little wiener dog came into the building and oh, chased him no. out, and he's just <laughs> deathly afraid. Like, oh my god! And yeah, he's 170 pounds, but. <laughs> yeah he has no idea he's that big so right right good well you know to me uh dogs are similar in many ways to children you know if you own a cat you kind of co-inhabit with a cat i'm not sure you you have a cat like the cat is the child necessarily maybe sometimes but to me at least with with our pooch she's very childlike you know and i think it may, that you get that feel good feeling just caring for her you know or like with with your pooch with Bradley, you know, just mm-hmm. being sweet to him. I, I think that kind of uh, it brings out some of those good feelings. Probably, I don't know what's going on in your body, opioids in your brain, or reduced cortisol or whatever. But yeah, it's something to think about. You know that we're so busy on the like drugs and supplement side of things uh, that if a if a dog can reduce anxiety mm-hmm. and stress during the day and, and enhance your sleep, I've heard some yeah. interesting things about owning a dog reduces head colds and and. Th- boost your immune system and i don't have a reference for each one of these things but yeah. and i know not everybody's a dog lover but sometimes yeah if you do have one yeah just remember that that could be actually a source of, of recovery it could be an unthought of source of uh i don't know workout recovery even you know yeah so, so yeah could dogs be the solution to stress that's all i've got so Let's uh, let's go to break. It's a little early, but we can go to break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about two-a-days. There's a lot of things to consider when you're lifting more than once. I think my first exposure to it might have been with, like, uh, football teams. 
uh, mm-hmm. that do some of this stuff. But uh, we'll get into that after the break. Hey, listeners, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. If you've ever had anyone critique you uh, on your protein intake as part of your weightlifting lifestyle, oh, you poor meathead, all that extra protein is going to rot your kidneys or weaken your bones or dehydrate you or give you gout or who knows what. Uh, There is a book available. You could simply Google CRC Press and Lowry. And what I've done is reach out to experts all over the world and create a book, a single compendium that you can hold up and say, this is why I consume extra protein. This can be very valuable when you're um, being quote-unquote educated uh, by various professionals on the topic. Uh, There's enormous amount of literature in this book on the safety, uh, the effectiveness, how protein works in cells, the history of protein and weight trainers, uh, much more. So again, please check out CRC Press and Protein and Lowry. You can just Google that, and uh, I do, full disclosure, I do make a small single-digit royalty on the book, but that's not why I did it. I did it so we can all have something, uh, our particular population, uh, to both defend what we do and to inform our nutrition and our eating. Thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook – uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Hi, right, everybody. We are back. And like Dr. Lauer said, we're going to talk two a days. Um, I've got a lot of this going on right now. And I, I, I honestly have it going on all year, but with my varied athletes, because, you know, a lot of times I take the role with with high school kids as, as the strength coach, because most of these schools don't have one. They'll have lifting programs and stuff like that, but there is no actual strength coach in place. Right. So, you know, there's no time during the year that I'm not working with some kids that are in season. So, um, you know, we adjust their, their lifting to, to their end season and, you know, they, they might come train with me in the morning and practice with the team at night or vice versa. Um, so it's, it's adjusting that schedule, adjusting their lifestyle and adjusting their lifting to, you know, what we're facing. 
So as far as the the team goes and the other the other training session of the day. Exactly. Um, you know, I, I actually deal with that as a <laughs> sort of collegiate sports nutritionist. I always have to think about the team practice later. Yeah. You know, but let me ask you this, though. Would you what, – what's your opinion about going heavy and intense during both sessions? Uh, or when you know they've got a really brutal team workout or, you know, something uh, sport-specific, do you back off and do lighter – like speed work or something or yeah like if we have a game coming or you know a really hard practice coming then yeah we'll back it off and i don't need them to my goal in season is maintain absolutely (laughs) is all it is um so we still might go fairly heavy especially with my football players and stuff they are notorious for going into the season really strong and leaving it really weak so we try as much as we can to maintain things but you know my number one job And this is what I explain to kids when they come in that are multi-sport athletes. You know, it doesn't matter if they can squat 500 pounds if it doesn't show its teeth on the field. You know, my number one job for an athlete is not to make them a good weightlifter. It's to make them better at their sport. It's got to transfer. So, yeah, so whatever I'm doing, it has to transfer to the field. If whatever I'm doing makes them worse, I just failed. So, you know, if if I beat them up and make them sore for the game and they play like crap, that's my fault. You know, I can't have that. You know, I need to, need to have them more prepared and, and better for their, their games. Absolutely. So, you know, I'm such a fan of eccentric work, you know, doing negatives and that mm-hmm. intensity techniques. I, I, maybe I over-focus on hypertrophy maybe. But you can't be doing a lot of that. I mean, if you're rocked with soreness and you're expected mm-hmm. to perform, I, I imagine it would be like the cardinal sin that your legs are so rocked, you, you know, you can't lift your foot and replant it on the football field, so you twist and there goes your ACL. Mm-hmm. You know, something like that. Uh, because when you're sore, you're like 15% weaker. I mean, I've seen it in the lab repeatedly. So, yeah. Um, so l- let's talk about some of the potential benefits, though. So, if you've got clients doing that, uh, why would you encourage that? Like, what would be some of the benefits? Some of the benefits? Well, like with my weight, Olympic weightlifters, um, a lot of times we'll break their sessions into dynamic work and then strength work. Um, so their their first session will come and it'll be their lifts. Their by lifts I mean snatch and clean and jerk, um, where they have to be very explosive. And then sure we could go right into the squat and and all the other for them squats and presses and things like that are assistance work. But a lot of the time you're going to half ass that because you just did an hour and a half of snatches and clean and jerks. Yes. So yep. you know we'll send them home, get a meal or two in. Get a nap in if you can. Come back tonight. Now we'll hit the assistance work. Now we're able to get, we're able to give more to both by having a break in between. Right. You know, uh, I can tell so, you, even with, uh, in in, a, it's less true in bodybuilding, but anything got skill related. Mm-hmm. Yeah, doing it fresh. I've said this before on the podcast, but I used to have an old track coach, and he wouldn't let me pole vault when I was fatigued because he's like, "You're going to start following, you know, firing the wrong motor patterns, and mm-hmm. you know." So the freshness really speaks to that and i'll tell you even for the physique people who listen uh i I remember and i probably said this at some point in the last eight years on the show but uh, i used to work at a gym when i was uh in college and i would go squat like at on the top of the hour like every hour and i I would get so rocked (laughs) the next day like if I had done them all in a row, I don't think it would have been the same, if that makes any sense. I guess because every time you get into the bar, you're you're so fresh. And, I mean, it wasn't super in, intensely heavy. I think I was doing like 275 or 315. But 
when you step under it, the quality of the contractions, I guess, I don't know, maybe that's more art than science, but it just seemed like something was there, you know, some level of effort, even though you're not talking about something as skill-related as a snatch, uh, there's still something about getting under the bar very, very fresh. I don't know. Well, even mentally, it, it eases some tension. Because if I hand him a list of that's like, okay, here's your 700 things you have to do before you leave. You know, one of two things is going to happen. You're going to half-ass everything so you can make it through there. Or you're going to come out of the gate strong, and then you're going to be shot, and that end stuff is going to, you know, get a half effort. Because you have to. You have nothing left. Yeah, so if we're yeah. able to break that up into two sessions, it's, it's mentally not as taxing. Like, oh, okay, I just got to do these two or three things. And then I get a break. You know, now I can come back and do these two or three exactly. things. So it's, it's a yeah. lot easier on your mind even and the body. So you, you, know, can, when give, I, you can give your all. Exactly, so. yep. When I switched from – I used to – for many years I did a very traditional bodybuilding split. I would do like a push-pull legs, you know. And then when I was done with that, like after the last time I competed, I'm like I'm going to try more like a whole body circuit type stuff. But mm-hmm. you lose the theme day. You know what I'm talking about. Like you feel yeah. different on de- different on deadlift day than maybe bench day. You know, yeah. uh, it's a different flavor. And so, uh, by doing it like this, yeah, instead of me walking into the gym and saying, "Oh God," I'm because I'm I still try to lift fairly heavy. I'm not doing some really light, you know, like lunchtime machine circuit thing here. Mm-hmm. And th- th- when there's that much on your plate, yeah, it's almost a little daunting yes. as opposed to. Yeah, I'm going to go in and do my, you know, like for me, I could go in and do back work in the morning and then do uh, my shoulders and calf work in the evening. Just basically split this. It's just like the old split I used to use, but I'm I'm dividing it out. Now, yeah. the cons, though, I think for me at least, and I think people would have to think about this. We're talking about pros and cons, but one con would be I, I'm actually driving to the gym twice. Mm-hmm. And if you if you got weights at home, maybe in the morning you lift at home, and then in the evening you go to the gym. You know, there's some ways around this, I think, because I do have some, um, just like you know, the kind of power rack uprights, dumbbells, barbell in my in my basement. But uh, maybe that's one way around that because I just keep thinking I'm only like ten, fifteen minutes from the gym. But yeah. you got to think that's going to add up to nearly an hour on the road if I'm going to drive there twice. Yep. You know, so maybe one of the two sessions I do it at home. Yeah, you know, something like that. But I'm, I guess I'm attracted to, I mean, if that's a con, if we go back to a pro, uh, you're, you're stimulating, you know, your whole metabolic rate, um, protein synthesis twice, you mm-hmm. know. Now, I haven't seen data. I bet there are data out there, at least people who have asked, do you get the same potency like in muscle protein synthesis uh, in round two? I'm not sure about that. Or like if you use caffeine both times. I, I would think if it's separated by enough time, the caffeine would kick in pretty well both times. But in an evening session, at least for me, I'm not the kind of person who can pop a caffeine pill before I go to the gym at 7 p.m. Um, I, I might not get to sleep. Some people, yeah, yeah. it won't matter, you know. Yeah. Um, and I know, I mean, <laughs> if we go back to talking about athletes, I mean, the Bulgarian teams – they used to really believe in like three a days or four a days. Right. And you yeah. talk to their coach and people were asking why. And he's like, well, you know, really the only reason why is it keeps them out of trouble. You know, it's not really better, but oh. now they have no energy for doing anything else. I didn't realize you know? that's funny. He said it's going to keep, you know, basically all they can do is eat, 
and sleep and train because they're so wore out that you know they know they got to be back here in two and a half three hours. Right, um, right. So was there that much more training benefit? Probably not from that many times a day, but it kept them busy, it kept them out of trouble, and right. and kept them focused on for them, you know. Their quadrant training, four years. Olympics is in four years. We got to get ready. Yeah. You know, so you're talking very serious level athletes. And uh, I don't know, maybe it's good for kids too, high school kids and, and, and junior high kids. I mean, I was, I was a troublesome little guy. <laughs> and maybe if I knew that I had a coach waiting right. on me twice a day, that I would have done less dumb stuff. But uh, no, yeah, it's I mean, true. it's, I, it's I good see. for you. It's, it's discipline. It's, you know, things like that. So. Right. It, it, I think it re- emphasizes the program nature of it all. You know, mm-hmm. like the whole, you're not just in for, like I would tell football players, you're in a football program. That doesn't just mean the time on the field. There's the time in the weight room. There's the time yeah. in the cafeteria. There's even time in your dorm when you're sleeping. You know, yeah. this is a program. Get with the program. Yes. And I, I would think that that would emphasize that because, like you said, you're back mid-afternoon or whatever it is. and. Yeah. Although it's true. I remember I was at, geez, it was, I think it was 98. The, I was at the first International Congress on weightlifting and strength training. It was in Finland. And they were they were talking about those three-a-day type sessions. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of walked away from that thinking sort of what we started this with, which was your nervous system is fresh, or at least pretty fresh every time you, you, you walk into, one again, a skill-related sport. I mean, Olympic lifts, mm-hmm. you know. That's some serious skill, and it's a skill I admit I don't have, yeah. you know, and so I can see why being fresh could be, you know, a make or break kind of situation with that, too. But. Yeah, I mean, like my Olympic lifters, I try and break them. If I ski skill deteriorate, they're just done for that day, for that session. Oh, right. You know, yeah. there's no point. Okay, go home. We're done. Monitor and visually. Yeah. Because you're going to be back here in a few hours, and we can, you know, we can pick up where we left off, and you'll be more fresh again. So there's no point, and like you were talking about with your pole vault coach, if you're if you're starting to practice, you know odd odd technique, odd form. Well, we need to stop because you know the more reps we do of that, the more you're going to remember that. Right. You know. Yeah. It's all that perfect practice stuff. We want to. So. Right. I mean, I might have a list of things we need to get this done, but if it's not there, we're going to push for that. But if rep after rep starts looking bad and they just can't fix it, um, you know, we'll try and fix it first. If they can't, then then we're just done. So. Yeah. You know, there's that phrase. Uh, Every when you wake up in the morning, it's a whole new day. But yeah. in a sense, I mean, if you're having a lousy session, it's possible that later that day you get a, a fresh start. Oh you know? yeah, you can just try it again. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. So, um, well, let me. What about before I move into some of the requirements behind this? Because it's really demanding. Um, what about powerlifting? Because for me, bodybuilding splits are just about stimulating individual muscles you know it's not so much this big coordination and chains of muscles firing to do a a specific movement so you know you could focus on chest in the morning and arms in the afternoon or something like that and it's it's a little bit more uh exclusive and separated you know but Mm. with powerlifting you're focusing on movements and you're using muscles that you use in the other movements like we were talking about before we hit the record button everybody i was asking phil like how could you possibly squat fairly heavy in the morning and then go do max deadlifts in the evening yeah uh i'm guessing you wouldn't recommend that but i don't know what do you what are your thoughts on the power I mean, it's possible but i mean yeah, maybe, maybe not recommended i mean for my power lifters, it's much the same way as olympic weightlifters if they have the time to do it two a days what we might do is now we're able to look at the whatever lift we have on docket that day as the an event 
okay, we're squatting. We're going to squat really well, you know, and we're going to push this squat hard. And then you're going to leave and because you don't have to do anything else, but that's all you got to do right now. I just want you to kill the squat. Mm-hmm. And then you can take off. You can get a break. You can eat. You can rest. And then come back, and we'll get that assistance work in. You know, whatever it is. If it's a weight class lifter that needs to lose weight, you know, we'll do some assistance work, and we might put in some conditioning time. Um, if it's somebody looking to – we're moving them up a weight class, well, we're going to hit the volume now. Whatever. We're able to break it up into – you know, higher intensity and lower intensity right. stuff. You know, that first is the event. Okay, it's squat day. It's like walking up to the squat at the meet. Okay, we need you turned on. The next session, we don't need you that turned on. We just need you ready to work, you know, and you're more fresh because it's, it's hard to hit. I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, it's it's hard to hit 90% deadlifts. And then, okay, now I get to do four sets of stiff-legged deadlifts, and then I get to do this, and then I get to do, you know, your toast. You know, you're no, mentally right. toast. Your adrenaline was fired up. And now you're like, uh, I just got to get through this. Okay. So this, having that break between. This brings up my uh, comment earlier in this episode about gender differences, though. I didn't pull the paper. It's on my hard drive. I just <laughs> – I got coffee instead of going to get the abstract. <laughs> but I read a paper that women are better at this than men, that women can do a fairly max effort in the morning, and they can come back in the afternoon – and do it again better than the guys. Now, I don't know if that's a nervous system thing. And again, I'm thinking about a single study, and that's not going to be enough to change your practice. But uh, I, I do know that women are more resistant to muscle damage than men because estrogen is protective against that. I mean, I could do blood work and look at different enzymes in the blood and things like that. And women are not as damaged from an eccentric bout. So it, it might have something to do with the, the tissue trauma I mean, micro trauma, you know, not full yeah. injury, uh, maybe nervous system. Uh, but so you're, you know, out there in the trenches. Do you see that at all? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree 100 percent. You know, my girls, my, my people that handle two a day's best are my are my females. So no, that's interesting. Like one, of, like one of my better weightlifters right now is doing mainly two a days and uh, she handles it well. You know, it's you might be a little wore out when she gets in. But, you know, once we get rolling, everything's fine. You know, yeah, and yeah. weightlifters in a sense are weird. Um, in general, that sport. I mean, I have seen it, and like I've, I've talked with other coaches, Jarrell, who we've had on. For some reason, we don't know why yet. The Olympic weightlifters like put up their best lifts when they're talking about how horrible they feel. Like once you've beat them up to the point of like they're <laughs> almost hamburger, they start hitting PRs, and I don't know why. You know, they get through this very intense program. They're right towards the end of it, and. And here comes these PRs, and they're they're talking about nothing like, oh, this is going to be a horrible day. I'm beat up. I'm sore. I'm tired. I'm this. And then, bam, they hit something they've never hit before. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, and I don't know what it is yet, um, but it's a resounding theme. You know, they get late in those training programs, and it, it all comes together. Even though they're not feeling it, it's there. But it, definitely the ladies, they can handle, they can handle more volume and more uh, frequency. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and come back and, and go at a higher level. The guys I, will do it, but I never realized uh, that uh, Olympic lifters are best when they're a little salty. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. I mean, it's just it, <laughs> it, it always happens. Uh, you know, you get them on some intense squat cycle, and they're like, "Oh, I can barely walk," and then they hit a, a PR snatch. Yeah. So, huh. um, well, you got to yeah. think with those guys, it's a little bit more uh, nervous system dependent and skill yeah. dependent than as opposed to you know like a. a bodybuilder or a powerlifter off season where they're doing the volume and the tissue is just so trashed yeah it's just not there you know? yeah it's definitely a different 
it's it's different with them because it's so dynamic um that the tissue i don't think ever gets as beat up Quite i think, I think your nervous yeah. system gets tapped into a lot but uh they can train more frequently i mean and that's the number one the the two reasons why they can train more frequently is you know like a clean and jerk versus a deadlift it's never going to be that grinding lift they're always they're more throws than they are lifts. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're gonna you're gonna miss a lift because you didn't throw it up your shoulders. You never had to like grind it out like a deadlift and took ten seconds to get it to your waist. Yeah. Um. And there's basically no eccentric portion in Olympic weightlifting. Exactly. Uh, right. You know, it's uh, so that soreness is much less. So you can do it more often. Um. You're you're throwing things up, and then the minute it's up, you drop it. You yeah. know, so you don't slowly lower it back down. You know, um, we're bouncing back and forth a lot here, but to me, I think some of this, when you said you're monitoring someone and if they're, the quality of the reps are just kind of going to crab, uh, you might say, get out of here, you know, yeah. or, uh, but I, I think that something else that might be come down to the coaches, if you've got somebody who's like uh, a morning lurk versus a night owl, somebody uh-huh. who likes to do the heavy stuff in the morning, like uh-huh. I can tell you, uh, I have to. I don't know how I'm going to do this this fall because maybe I'll update people as I do this. But I'm very curious to do this because I need to increase my frequency. Just because of work and stuff, I feel like there are days that I just miss. I mean, when if a dean says I need you on this committee, we need this stuff done by tomorrow, I can't just blow that off. But if I'm going two days, I'll be able to miss an afternoon, and it's not as devastating, you know, because I've I, I'm I'm in the gym twice every day almost. So, um, but. I am weak as a baby mm-hmm. when I walk in that gym at like 5.30 in the morning, yeah. you know? And so I, I think it would be folly for me to do anything other than some hypertrophy work or some maybe some speed work with yeah, like 30 to 50% loads. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Uh, I, I think going heavy and super intense in both sessions, uh, that might be a prescription for disaster. I mean, I know there's the whole thing about, you know, max squat every day that's popular these days and that kind of stuff. But with two days, I would think that one session would, you'd have to decide based on your temperament, which one would be the lighter, either yes. hypertrophy or speed work. And then which one's going to be like you say, the main event. Yeah. And even with my weightlifters, it's that way. You know, I would prefer to do the dynamic stuff first. And then we hit the, for them, what's assistance, the squats and the presses and blah, blah, blah. Exactly. But yeah. some people aren't morning people. And, you know, I'm not going to make this non-morning person try and do this very technical, explosive work when they just can't. You know, they're not right. wired that way. So we'll do that. We'll, we'll flip-flop it. Yeah, you I'm know? sure that I have so. read uh, research before that on average people are strongest like early afternoon. Yeah. Uh, and that would make sense to me. You know, I've, I've heard some stuff, too, from some of the... I don't know, not chiropractors, but people that are interested in musculoskeletal stuff that uh, your intervertebral discs, you know, uh, up and down your spine, they're not quite ready real early in the morning and that kind of thing. Um, So, you know, it might be even safer to do the strength stuff later. But again, I don't know. Maybe people are strong. What are you like, Phil? Were you ever able to do really heavy pulls or lifts in the morning or? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I was I'm forced to train at 5 a.m. now. Okay, I just have to. Um, for yourself, and I, yeah. Well, it's just it's when I have time, right? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, is that my preferred time? No. Um, but you make yourself do what you have to do. So if I had a choice, I mean, I'd go in at ten thirty or eleven. Now I've been up for you know four four and a half hours. I've had a couple of meals, you know, whatever. I've had time to move around. I just feel good, you know. Uh, then right. again, yeah. I mean, if I had to choose between 
5.30 a.m., though, and then like 6 or 7 p.m., I would take 5.30 a.m. I am done. By the end of the day, I'm like, you know, I'm, I've always you. been a morning person. Yeah. When I can get going, like during the summer, I always go back to school. And, you know, I'm not really heavily built. But people always say, God, you know, you look thicker. You've been lifting this summer. And I'm like, I, I just I get to go in like at noonish. you know. Yeah. The gym is dead. I mean, I'm a teacher <laughs> in the summer. And, man, I take advantage of it. And like you say – I am flipping useless. If you've got a job, and in that sense, I think our jobs are similar, is that you've got to lead a group of people. You've got to be on point. You've got to be sort of loud and projecting. And, you know, you have a lot of responsibility, and you have to be on. And then by the time 7 o'clock rolls around, I suck, you know? (laughs) I want to eat bonbons and sit on the couch. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) It it depends. probably depends. If you've got a desk job or something where you can sort of pace yourself during the day or you're not, you know, front and center, it probably depends on your your job too. But, and again, that's why I'm kind of playing with this because I'm burnt at the end of the day and in the – Early in the morning, I'm using half of my usual weights. So yeah. how do I do this? You know, And like I said, in the summer, yeah. it's easy. I default to going basically to lift around lunchtime. Like you said, yep. you get up, you got your coffee, you had breakfast and second breakfast, you're ready to go. Mm-hmm. And I can't do that a lot of the year. So you know, that's why I'm, I'm going to play around with this. Like I said, I'll maybe make – Yeah, and I mean it's – you'd be amazed at how you can adjust and get used to it. Like I'm used to the morning thing. I still know – I also I know if I hit this weight for this many reps in the morning, I'm good for the better later on. I just know I am. Oh, so, that's true. But I'm still, you know, yeah, I'm still doing what I can in that session. I think that's a part that some people forget. It's like it's, it's not always about PRs. It's not always about, you know, doing better than you have before. It's doing the best you can that day. Yeah. You know, if you can do that, you stimulated enough that you you're going to make progress. If you just do the best you can in that possible session be happy and move on see that's good yeah that's good insight from a coach like i know we said that there are separate sessions and you get another fresh start but you're right if you're strong this morning at 5 a.m that is a hint that maybe you can unload later yeah you know and i mean you're still given it may not be a you know maybe you didn't go to 90 percent of your best ever but you went to 90 percent of your current ability right now and that's, you know, that's where I think, you know, a lot of these Eastern Bloc people had it right. And and even, you know, Westside with the way they do. It's not based off that. It's based on what you can do right now. And that's what yeah. matters. You know? right. And if you're going to a high percentage of that and keeping good form, we did it. That's all we need to do, you know. Right. Because there's so many variables in life. So I know we've talked about before, like, um, sometimes you'll – People will start getting into program periodization, and that's that rookie, maybe intermediate mistake, I think, where they, nope, this is where we're at in the cycle. This is what exactly what we have to do. And there's no monitoring or visual, you know, check-in with, is the athlete moving that bar fast, you know, mm-hmm. or something like that, or with skill. or. Uh, okay, let's switch to requirements for this kind of stuff. I mean, if you are going to turn on protein synthesis twice, ignite your nervous system twice, uh, get your metabolism, your heart rate, respiratory rate kicking twice every day. Uh, there's going to be certain requirements. And, uh, of course, we had David Barr and Anthony Almada on a few weeks ago, and they were actually questioning a little bit uh, the overstatements that nutrient timing is so critical. Uh, now, the truth is there's a lot to the carbohydrate side of nutrient timing 
but I think they're focusing a lot on the protein side too. But I think carbs and protein become in the limelight. They're sort of they take center stage with this nutrient timing. If you got to lift again later today, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if if you lift this morning, Phil, and you go in there at five o'clock and you hit it pretty hard and you deplete your glycogen stores, you know, you're gonna basically just because of life throughout mm-hmm. today and tonight and tomorrow for breakfast you're going to do a pretty good job at replenishing your glycogen stores, eating lots of protein, especially you, but you get the point. Lots of food, and it's going to happen. But if you're going to lift again this afternoon, I would think that you've got to almost start counting a little bit more. You know, like, I better go get myself. Yeah, you need to get your eating on point, your resting on point, you know, um, and then things like that. I mean, if you have the lifestyle that allows it, go take a nap. Yeah, and things like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So you're ready for that next session? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, get some get some carbohydrates in. It's more than just eating to eat. Now, no, that's right. Eat to perform later. Um, You know, I don't care if you feel like it when you leave. You need to go get something to eat. You need to get some rest in. You need to because you're coming back again, and that's going to help you perform. It's urgency. You know, there's a sense of urgency that's not there if you're just going to lift tomorrow. Yes. Yeah, you know, so yeah, hundred grams of carbs or however people do it. You know, I mean, I've heard, uh, we, we've heard all this before, like four to one carbs to protein. Uh, if you're trying to make some gains, two to mm-hmm. one carbs to protein, or even one to one carbs to protein if you just want to sort of, you know, uh, stay leaner or or what have you. But I would say, yeah, if you're going to lift again later today, you might want to go heavier on that mm-hmm. on the carbs. You know, three or four to one on the carbs to protein. Just yeah. to try to put some ratios on it, I guess, you know. But and I mean, if we break it down to two-a-days, I mean, I honestly think if everybody could do some sort of two-a-day, that would be great. Um, but that might be as simple as, uh, you know, you normally train at night. Okay, get your butt out of bed and go for a walk in the morning. You know, <laughs> be, be, it's not really training, but for goodness sakes, we're, our, our society is not that active anymore. The more you can just move the better you are. I mean, it's, it's sad that we consider training walking now. Um, but <laughs> right, we, need to, right. we need to do more of that, you know. And I, I love my powerlifters. Or if anybody comes to me to, that says they want to lose weight, that's one of the number one things I do. You need to get out and just walk more, yeah, you know, yeah. two or three times a day. Go on your lunch. Sure, take your 10, 15 minutes to cram your lunch and now walk. Yeah. You know, it's not something hard. Just walk. Well, my wife and I actually <laughs> I do that. You know, like Kelly doesn't lift, <laughs> but we'll get up. We get up at 4.45, you know, and we'll go out for like, a, I don't know, just a 30 or 45-minute walk yeah. before we do things. Like once I start lifting in the morning, I might just go straight to the gym. But like you said, it, it's easy to poo-poo it. Like, oh, it's not really exercise. I don't really need to do that. But um, I just think orthopedically or, you know, I do that fasted. So I, I feel like yeah. in a way I'm reminding my body how to burn body fat. You know, instead of being in a high insulin, high blood sugar state all the time, because I do still eat a lot like I always have, like, you know, every two or three hours you're back at it. And so that's the one time in the morning where your blood sugar and your insulin is kind of lower and you have a chance to remind your body, hey, burn some fat. And like you said, it's I've seen powerlifters do that when they even when they were trying to bulk up. They would take mm-hmm. that little period just to burn some fat, remind their body how to burn fat, and then get back at their 
uh, bulking procedures or whatever later in the day. But it's true. And it's the same thing with the second session. Whatever session is the lighter session, you don't blow it off either. You know, like we were saying, it's a program. You can't be like, no, I did my heavy stuff. Yeah, I'll just blow off the second one because it would have been light anyway. That's the temptation, I think. Yes. Um, But, I mean, we're... We are amazing creatures that are built to move. You know, and yeah, the, yeah. when you start not moving, that's when things go wrong. Um, it's like the best thing I did was, uh, you know, seven, eight years ago, I moved to a stand-up desk. Basically, I, I wake up, and I don't sit down until night, you know, and I just move around. And it took a little while to get used to, but I feel better. I move better. Um, you know, we, we have all these arms and legs and joints to, to use them, right, not right. to sit down all day. And the more you sit down, the more they lock up. Man, so if you can just get and move, it doesn't have to be crazy, you know. Just move. Yeah. And, you know uh, that that might be good advice for someone if you're like intimidated by uh, the two a day concept. Yeah, maybe one of your sessions is you just start with that walk, so you kind of mm-hmm. get the behavior down. Like, nope, morning and then evening, or morning yeah. and then afternoon. Even if the morning is just a a brisk walk, you know, mm-hmm. or a light jog or something like that. Yeah, and then move into you know. Morning is hard work. Afternoon is just technique, just flat out technique. Um, things like that. So right. that that second session doesn't have to. It doesn't have to be a killer session for it to do good, and people forget that. Yeah, you know that adds up. Well, you, you know, know Phil, like talking walking adds up. Yeah, talking to you, I really learned. I think that like hypertrophy work, like you talk about it, like it's mid intensity. You know, mm-hmm. and it is. I, I think a lot. You talk to a lot of bodybuilders. There's a lot of hyperbole in, in magazines. You know, like blow the doors off and you know sirens and you know adrenaline and it's like, well, that's your your bodybuilding. So you know, yeah. if you're too intense, meaning too much weight on the bar, you're not going to get enough volume in. You yeah. know, so it's just interesting to see your perspective because I mean, the, working in a 90% of your one rep max range, like a lot of power lifters will, will do in heavy cycles or whatever. That makes sense to me. That's, that's freaking intense, yeah. you know, but what the bodybuilders are doing is more punching the clock. If you think about it, doing sets at eight to 12 and I know, of course, bodybuilders do some heavy work. Sure they do, you know, but um, yeah, I, it doesn't have to be super heavy, both yeah. sessions, I would think, yep. you know, no. and probably shouldn't be. No, right. <laughs> That's right. I, I think yeah. if you look at the textbook approach, like if you look in some of the strength conditioning textbooks, they'll talk about like uh, if you're going to do an upper lower split, maybe the you know, you go heavy legs and then lighter upper body. And then mm-hmm. the next time you work out, it's flipped or, you know, you're trying to strategically plan where you're going to mm-hmm. apply your resources, I guess. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Okay. That was good. Yeah, a little. I, I, it just dawned on me the other day that we never really talked about two a days specifically. Yeah. We probably touched on it before, but like you said, whether it's athletes, because sport, team sport athletes, <laughs> they've got different requirements. Mm-hmm. Uh, bodybuilders, powerlifters. We didn't even talk about Highland Games guys, but I would think mm-hmm. in some ways they've got some element of skill, like the, um, well, you know, throwers are going to have an element yeah. of skill, like the Olympic lifters, and so you can't always do that when you're fatigued there, there's some yeah. things you got to think about there but i think i guess the number one thing for me is i'm interested in can i accelerate gains by yeah. doing this you know because you're literally just in there more yeah so yeah so all right well we'll catch guys. Up with everybody next until week. next week
Hey listeners, have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store. One for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry. And they're thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store, uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun, heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good. Uh, knee sleeves. Wraps of some kind. Things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, the stuff you, you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org. And um, let us know what you think on the forums. And certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding. Um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.